0: We are back. Uh, We watched episode 6 last week. This is the last week of July. It's crazy how fast July uh, sped past for me. Um, But anyway, so we're on episode 7. I want to remind everybody at the end of episode 6, and go watch what you haven't watched and and then come back and listen. Um, But at the end of episode 6, we saw Nicodemus um, meeting with Mary, trying to set this meeting up with Jesus. That we're about to get to. Um, And then we also saw uh, uh, Matthew. Um, As he was following Jesus. He ended up having this kind of interesting connection moment. As he followed Jesus. Jesus uh, through the spirit. Sensed his presence. Turned around. And looked him straight in the eye. And then walked off. Um, But all this came right after making the leper walk. Both of these men are curious. They're asking questions. Everything in their life that they had once known no longer makes as much sense. And so um, that's where we ended episode 6. And so we just watched episode 7. It starts out with Moses and Joshua. You have this passage in Numbers 21, um, how uh, you know, the, the, the Israelites um, were grumbling, and, and you know this wasn't the first time. There's these snakes sent against them that bit. Um, many die. Um and uh, the people start repenting, we've sinned, we've spoken against the Lord against you, pray to the Lord that he uh, take away the serpents from us, So they're talking to Moses, but they're 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 seeking forgiveness. and so Moses prayed, and the Lord told Moses to make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, um, a bronze serpent, if you will and and everyone who is bitten when he sees it, they shall live, and you kind of see this. And when Moses is talking to Joshua, he's like, it doesn't always make sense. It's about faith. And that kind of sets the, the tone for the episode which really well. Um, and so you see that, and then you see uh, both Matthew and Nicodemus, again, questioning life as they knew it. Um, you know, uh, uh, Matthew is picked up from his house by uh, Gaius, the Rome guard, and um, and uh you know Gaius says something I can't remember exactly what he says but something along the, the lines of for a fool you've got things figured out or, or you're pretty smart or something like that and Matthew's responsible uh, yeah I thought that once too because Matthew's whole world has fallen apart he goes and meets with his mom you know this family that he's no longer close with um and he's over and over again saying like do you believe in miracles like Something's not making sense in my life. Um, and just over and over again, you see this with, with Nicodemus talking with his wife. Uh, he's kind of saying the same thing, that, that, that God is at work, that there's something happening and he hasn't f- quite figured it all out. Um, and then we finally get to this famous John chapter 3 passage. Um, and that's, that's this meeting with Nicodemus in the night. It says in John chapter 3, verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees, named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews came by night um, and and he said some of the things that uh, we see um, in this episode Jesus and him are talking um, and much of what scripture says is repeated in this episode and a little bit more just to make it more uh, English friendly uh, modern for us these days I love how they kind of do this uh, episode but anyway we get to see Jesus you know say the most famous verse of scripture that we quote (laughs) all the time it seems like for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life um it's so so good to uh hear like it's cool hearing jesus say it in this episode um and then uh this this whole serpent in the wilderness you know from numbers um is is requoted here by jesus and in, in john chapter 3 um he starts in verse 13 saying no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven the son of man and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life and then you got verse 16 there um anyway and so uh, i encourage you to read that you know john chapter 3 you might even Read this, John chapter three, verse one through twenty-one, and then go back and watch the the meeting with Nicodemus. Um, just watch that and just see Scripture pop out at you, um, and you you judge how accurate it is, um, and if their little additions help or hurt. You know um, what Scripture is really pointing at. And so anyway, um, we have all of this. And so we've been, uh, you know, going through Isaiah 43 as as we've been watching The Chosen, asking the question, what does it mean to be chosen? Um, In Isaiah 43, man, week one, we said you are called. Week two, that you rest. What does it mean to be chosen? You're called, that you rest. Week three, we said you are cherished. Um, And we read uh, verses three and four. Uh, Week four, we read verses five, six, and seven. and, And the answer there was you change course. Wasn't mean to be chosen. Week 5, we read verses um, 8, 9, 10, and uh, no, just 9 and 10. 8, 9, and 10. Um, you are a witness. Wasn't mean to be chosen. Last week, wasn't mean to be chosen. You are made new. And out of Isaiah 43, we have read verses 11, 12, and 13. And so this week, I want to look at Isaiah 43, uh, verses 14 and 15. And I want to, I'm going to read them to you. I encourage you to go back and just reread this chapter, Isaiah 43, up to where we're at, um, and see how it all connects. But week seven, um, was was it mean to be uh, chosen? Isaiah 43, verse 14 and 15, it says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, For your sake I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives even the chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice i am the lord your holy one the creator of israel your king if you have scripture man look that up real quick pause this look it up and then come back and just read it and answer the question to yourself what does this passage mean whether you're right or wrong that's okay it doesn't matter. We'll explain it. We'll, we'll dive through it. But I want you to think about it. What does this passage mean? I'll even read it again. Read it with me. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Here's what he says. For your, for your sake, and who is he talking to, the Israelites here? For your sake, I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans, in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your king. So, again, what does this mean? This is all about here. Um, you know, I- I- if you look at Israel's history here um, in, in Isaiah, you have a, a civil war, the nation split, the northern nation gets wiped out, and then eventually, because of disobedience, because of rebellion against God, so does the southern nation, Judah. But before they get wiped out, or even as they're wiped out, uh, as they're in exile, God continues sharing these promises um, that he's going to restore them. He's going to redeem them. I mean, this this passage in Isaiah 43 starts with that. It starts by saying, now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Um, In week 4, in verses uh, 5 through 7, it talks about how God is with us and that he's going to bring our offspring from the east, from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, which was the the kingdoms that took them out, took them over, give up. And to the south, again, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. God is redeeming, bringing everybody back, restoring um his people and so in this scripture it's this promise continued um that even though they disobeyed and they find found themselves in exile and all that like you know god also promised rescue and shared this like 100 plus years before it even happened that the babylonians also called the the chaldeans the the uh yeah chaldeans That they would be the ones captured. They would be the fugitives. They would be the exiles. And Israel would be redeemed. We're going to come back to that verse in a minute. That's kind of verse 14 there. That God's promise still remains. Even before, long before this happens, God is saying, here's what's going to happen. See, our world is full of chaos, unpredictable, out-of-control moments. You know, you can look at the characters in The Chosen, and you see a lot of those kind of moments. I mean, look at our world. You know, when it comes to the ocean, there's like 80%, I think. You can look this up and check my science here. I'm not the best at this. But from the little I've looked up, um, there's about 80% of the ocean that we haven't explored, that we don't know really what's down there. Um, You know, we don't have the capability of going it, it, you know, it's just crazy. There's so much of the ocean, 80% of the ocean unexplored. Of the known universe, there's about like 96% that's really unexamined, unexplored, unexamined. You know, we've only been able to, to really look at and inspect and maybe even go to uh, or send something to, you know, just a small percentage of what we know of our universe to be. And it seems like we discover more about our universe and how it's it's bigger than we thought every day. And what's crazy is we know even less about our brains. We know that they're helpful, that they do amazing things, but man, we can't explain it all. See, the truth is that we can't fathom all that God has made. We can continue growing in our understanding, but God is, is ever expanding, you know, his creation. He, he's, he's, it, that's what it seems like, at least. like he, He's done such a miraculous wonder in our lives just through creation that we can't fully grasp it all. He encourages us to try because in that we can worship Him and how He's made things. But it's hard to fathom it all, and we certainly can't control it. It freaks us out. I mean, take the, the last year for an example. Um... The, the the whole uh, pandemic that's what it's called I almost forgot we, we've barely barely been able to control like just not getting sick a bunch of people have gotten it even with all the preventative measures in place and, and we thought we've it, you know we, we thought we were in a place where we were done with it but it looks like it's making a comeback now I don't know and um, but the truth is there's lots of things that we can't control and it freaks us out and so I want to read uh, this passage um, from Matthew 7 let me flip back there real quick in Matthew 7 and, and I encourage you to turn there with me real quick pause if you need to Matthew 7 verse 24-27 through 27 says uh, and Jesus said everyone then And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Look at Mary Magdalene. Her world was a flood until the moment Jesus grabbed hold of her and placed her on the rock, at which point she began to experience a, a deep seated um, peace and purpose for the first time in her entire life. As she followed Jesus, she became more and more secure in his love and acceptance, experiencing firsthand that in him there's healing of past wounds stability no matter the circumstances and hope for a future in heaven nicodemus felt like the felt the flood but he wasn't ready to abandon his plot of sand at least not that we know of anyway he'd been waiting and watching for the promised redemption of god to arrive but was having a difficult time relinquishing his preconceived notions of what it would look like and what it would require him to give up. So at least for the time being, he decided to keep doing life on his own terms and in his own strength. Look at Matthew, finally relinquishing his flooding beachfront property for holy ground because unlike Nicodemus, or at least faster than Nicodemus, he reached the conclusion that Jesus was indeed the Redeemer that they had been waiting for. In man, did Matthew need one. Instead of continuing to rely on his money, power, and position for security, Matthew turned to Jesus. And then there's Simon. Simon Peter, he stood firmly on the rock. By the time Jesus came on the scene, Simon, he was painfully aware of his inability to attain or maintain stability. He exhausted his own resources. He was desperate. Uh, and he was he was getting into trouble, and that's why, when Jesus showed up, he embraced a new way of life, founded on the one who never changes, never fails, never grows weary. And then Jesus established Simon, and he said, you know, in Matthew sixteen eighteen, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not pre- prevail against it when you read this passage about the wise man who built his house on the rock and the f- foolish man on the sand who are you most like in this episode right now now where do you find yourself where are you standing have you committed to the rock before yet you've still tried to hold on to patches of sand or are you still man just you're in your sandcastle and here comes the wave and and you, you have yet to move where are you standing and will you move see the the answer to the question this week what does it mean to be chosen it means that you are established that in Jesus you are established that he is our rock he's our foundation and, and when we rest in him when we trust in him when we surrender our little sandcastles for a shack on the rock if that's all he gives us man we are steady we're secure we're strong and there's nothing else we need to worry about look back at Isaiah forty-three, fifteen, with me and even part of, of 14 here it starts sung, saying this says the Lord your redeemer the Holy One of Israel but look at 15 it says I'm the Lord your Holy One the Creator of Israel your King Lord Holy One, Creator, King. And if you include the previous verse, you have Lord, Redeemer, Holy One. So you add Redeemer into that. Look at that passage. Look at those words. What kind of changes occur in your life when God becomes each of these in your own life? What are the implications Of each of these descriptions of who God can be to you. Lord, Holy One, Creator, King. Where are you standing and how are you seeing your God? Is He truly your Lord right in this very moment? Do you worship Him as the Holy One? Do you understand that He is the Creator? That he took a, a formless and chaotic world and brought form, order into it and, and filled it. And do you worship him as king? Is he your king? And his demands that you will follow. See, Jesus is willing to be all of this for you, to be your rock and foundation. You just have to surrender your little plot of sand today. Will you do that? I want to end with... Uh, passage that was in the in the show and Nicodemus quotes it and Jesus finishes it. It says kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled because it would be terrible to be so lost so stuck in a way that you perish stuck in sin that this judgment does rain upon you and Jesus finished the rest of this, Psalms 2, verse 12, saying, Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Where is your refuge today? What does it mean to be chosen? You are established because when we are established, uh, because when we take refuge in God, we, man, we're, we're, we're established. We're on this foundation that doesn't shake, doesn't crumble, doesn't tremble, doesn't fall apart, isn't overwhelmed, isn't overtaken. Man, no, you're you're good. You're set. I encourage you go back, read Isaiah forty-three one through one through uh, uh, where are we now? Um, Fifteen. Uh, you might also check out Matthew seven twenty-four through twenty-seven. Check out Numbers twenty-one four through nine, John three verse one through twenty-one, and then Psalm two twelve, uh, verse twelve. I'm just going to reread some of these scriptures and, and, and continue allowing him to be your refuge, your rock, your Lord, your Holy One, your creator, your king, and be established in Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to seek you, to search for you, to find you. God, that you reveal yourself to us in so many ways that, God, you restore us, you redeem us just as you redeemed Israel. And God, even though this world is crazy and chaotic, it's not about us being in control. Help us to surrender that need because, God, you are in control. Because, again, you are the Lord. You're the Holy One. You're the Creator. You're the King. God, help us to give up our little plots of sand and allow you to establish us in your rock, in your Son, in Jesus. God, we thank you, we love you, keep growing us in your son, and may we share that light, that that love with the people in the world around us. God, we thank you, love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Um, we have one more episode of this season, and then we'll kind of see what's next for our ministry. I know we'll take a little bit of a break. Um, and actually, I think, you know, we're going to be diving into the book of Genesis here in September um, early, early on. So, man, you can always come here for more scripture, encouragement, message, whatever you want to call this. And uh, let's keep growing together as his chosen and as this uh, family in Christ. So God, uh, Just keep searching and seeking him. Um, and I'll check you y'all later.